0: Come
1: back. Second hour of Raider Nation Radio. Uh, it's the morning tailgate. Thank you for being with us this morning. Adam Hill is with me, Clay Baker. Adam Hill, of course, with the Las Vegas Review Journal. longtime. time uh, show host here on ESPN Las Vegas. And of course, Cumbery covering MMA and the Raiders with VegasNation.com and the RJ 69187, Salmon Ash text line. Well, to read your text up here, Salmon Ash is going to join us at 945. 9 o'clock, we'll talk to Raiders legend Pete Banizak from the AFL champion Raiders as well as the Super Bowl champions. He will talk about his good friend Cliff Branch as he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame in Canton this weekend. And we'll also uh, give you a chance to win two tickets to see Rob Zombie and Mudvayne and Powerman 5000 at the Michelob Ultra Arena, August 13th. Tickets at AXS.com, but we'll give them away at 940 here on Raider Nation Radio. Joining us now is our good friend, Eddie Borsilli. Every week at this time, from Sirius XM. He's the sports uh, station director with Fight Nation, Channel 156. And, of course, his Raiders podcast, Yards for Attempt, can be available everywhere at Borsilli on Twitter. Eddie, thank you for joining us. I know it's a busy week for you, uh, very much so, but I know when it's August and the Raiders can play the exhibition game, Game in Canton for the Hall of Fame. I know you're fired up, but really uh, it's got to be a little bit more than just an exhibition for Josh McDaniels, don't you think? I mean, it's his first chance to not only see everybody on the same page, but also to play in his hometown.
2: Absolutely, guys. Always a pleasure to be on the field. And look, we got football back, guys. I mean, happy football season. Right? everybody. <laughs> training ca- training camp is one thing, but we have an actual game tomorrow. I'll use that air quotes for game because a lot of backups are going to be playing, a lot of young guys will be playing, but it's still football. It's still Raiders on, on everybody's TV, so it's exciting. Yeah, the Josh McDaniels part is part of school. goal. Look, Cannon is a special, special place for anyone that hasn't been there yet. I suggest it highly if you're a football fan, if you're a Raider fan, if you if you love the game. It's just a place that you have to visit once in your life. It's really got an aura about it. And playing for Josh McDaniels in a place like that has, has special meaning. And two, just to get on the field, just to get in, uh, on the sidelines again. I think it's important, guys, when you have the crack of the apple the first time and it doesn't work out, and you come back. Let's get back up on that horse and get back on the sideline. Training camp and practice is one thing, but being back on that sideline in game mode, game situations is a different beast. So I think it'll be good for Jackson Daniels is best.
0: How do you, you know? We always wonder who's going to play and who's you know who's going to be on the field. Who are going to see all those things for sure. But I guess just how do you think Josh McDaniels approaches this game? I was looking back to his first stint as a head coach. It was a long time ago, obviously, 2009-2010 in Denver. But he went 1-3 and in each of those years. He lost the first two preseason games each of those years. I don't think he necessarily treasures winning these games, as some coaches do. Doug Peterson, actually, on the other side, is a guy who likes to win these games. Uh, How do you think he approaches this? Yeah, it's
2: a good question. I I, I think... You have to balance it, right? You have to balance whether you get guys a lot of reps, you got to balance whether you don't want to get people hurt. So it's a, it's a mix. Obviously, the wins and losses don't matter. If, if you go 0-4 in the preseason, it doesn't mean you're not going to playoffs. It doesn't mean you're not going to the Super Bowl. If you go 4-0 oh in the preseason, vice versa. So I don't think necessarily the wins and losses. I think the wins, you know, for a guy like Josh, uh, for Doug Peterson, excuse me, a, a team like the Jaguars is taking over a new regime, and he's kind of, that team hasn't won in a while. <clears throat> Let's try to get those wins under our belt and build up that winning culture. Josh McDaniels, I think it's about situational stuff. I think it's putting guys in different situations and seeing what he gets out of it. I think it's putting players in different uh, positions during the game and seeing what kind of reps they get out of it, see what kind of game mentality they have, especially for the young players. So I don't really think Josh McDaniels puts too much stock in the preseason. He's coming from New England, I know he has, he values the scrimmages more when he scrimmages teams at, at, at facilities, when it's a controlled scrimmage. I think he values that those reps a little bit more. But I think you'll still see him try to go out and win a football game. Anytime he hits the football field, he go out and try to win the football game. He's not going to do it at the expense of his star players. He's not going to do it at the expense of his veteran players. But you'll see some guys out there. You'll see a guy like Lester Cotton out there battling for his position, trying to cement himself from guard. You're going to see Alex Leatherwood. Well, what, why wouldn't a guy like Alex Leatherwood play a lot of this football game or play at least a quarter of his football game to see if he can get his feet under him at right tackle? So there's a lot to be desired. There's a lot to be out there. I don't think the wins and losses necessarily – I uh, mean a lot, but still, it's a football game. And you go out there and try to win.
1: How important do you think is it for maybe the offensive line to find some sort of, uh, you know, gelling chemistry? I mean, uh, excluding Colton Miller, uh, could you expect at least maybe four of the possible, uh, you know, front-line guys on the current depth chart to maybe play uh, a few series or maybe some more? Because uh, you, you know uh, Le- Leatherwood and Lester Cotton are still trying to vie for position, and I think at the same time, McDaniels wants to see what do they have in a game-time situation.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that you going to want to see what they have in the run game, especially. They're trying to run the football and trying to establish that, that physicality. It, it's it's hard, guys. I'll, I'll keep going back to it. If these are going to be your starters out there, you don't want them to get hurt. This is the, the yang and yang of the preseason. You don't want out there. It's a long season, especially with the extra game now, especially with the extra preseason. Like, these guys, their body's going to get beat up. So the veteran players, Colton Miller, yeah, you, you're probably not going to see a guy like that. But... John Simpson's still a young player in this league. Andre James is still getting his feet wet at center. That's the cotton leather we talked about. So it's important for those guys to get a couple series in this football game to get their feet under them. And it's a conf- I'm a big, i said this on this program before, I'm a big confidence guy. I'm a big guy that I think players and coaches feed off that confidence. So if they go out there and get three series under their belt and push a defensive line around, don't give up a sack, you could build off those things. That's what preseason is. You're building off of these reps. You're building off of these moments. As long as guys don't get hurt, as long as you don't beat up their bodies, I could see these guys getting three, maybe three to five uh, sets and reps, and see and see how far it goes. If their bodies feel good, if they're quick series, they might go out there more. But we'll see how it plays out.
0: I, that would be ideal. Would you be worried, would you be worried in that situation of going the other way? Of you put them out there for two series and it's a disaster, and then you're kind of left with okay, well, we need to we need to figure something out. It could happen.
2: Yeah, it could happen. But I don't think you judge. I, I'm not going to sit there tomorrow and watch this football game and see a guy. Uh, now, now, look, if that Flavio goes out there and gets <laughs> beat on, on seven straight reps <laughs> for sacks, then we're going to be like, all right, well, maybe it's time to panic. But, uh, look, you're, you're, you, these guys are working through things. This is what the preseason is for. So I don't think you blow it up after the first preseason game. If it's an absolute deba- I think the absolute debacle is if one of these guys gets hurt. If a guy goes out there and sure. an Andre James goes down, knock on wood, then, then you're like, okay, this is a, a total disaster. Why are we playing? And then, then the whole cycle begins, and then you're looking for a new starting center. So, I think that's the debacle that comes out of this. Playing poorly in the first preseason game to me doesn't throw off the, the, you know, doesn't put the red light on that I'm I'm, I'm going to pack. It's a long preseason. The season's not going to be here for a month. You have time to put guys in there. If Alice Leatherwood struggles throughout the preseason, a right tackle, you even move him back to guard and put Brandon Barker back there, or go out and sign somebody. So. I don't think the red light's going to go off. I don't think it's, it's full panic mode if these guys go out there and struggle a little bit. But vice versa, if they go out there and they play a little bit well and get a little confidence, it can carry over for the rest of the preseason.
0: So let, Let's let's just assume, I mean, I think we're all assuming that none of the actual veteran guys that have been here for a while are going to play in the game. You You would usually expect those guys to sit out and not play. So let's rule out all of them. Who is it that... We do think is going to play some of the you know depth guys, the the younger players. Who do you really want to see uh, outside of that offensive line? Just kind of step up and and how they, how they perform in a real game setting. It's a couple guys, uh,
2: a guy that I've brought up on this program a bunch of times. Is a guy like Malcolm Kuntz. I want to see where Malcolm Kuntz is from year one into year two. I want to see what his body looks like. I want to see what he could bring on the football field. I want to see him in a new scheme. I want to see a, a bunch of different things from a guy like him because he could be an integral part of this football team. He could be a guy that this team relies on. And I think it's it's also twofold. I want to see someone a receiver. I want to see how the receiver position plays out. I tweeted a couple days ago about Matt Collins. I think this guy could be a factor for this football team. And now he maybe he doesn't need the reps. He's still a veteran football player. But maybe he goes out there and shows himself to be a viable guy that the team can count on. So there's a lot of a lot of that. And, I'll go back to the other line. Like a guy like Malcolm Woods, I want to see Lester Cotton. This is a guy that came from Alabama. He's got the pedigree. I understand he went undrafted. And he's had the road. I want to see him. We've seen him in spurts and here and there, but he's a guy that I really, really want to see. And I'll, I'm also interested to see how the defensive line kind of shuffles. I want to see some of the young players. I want to see the rookies. I want to see Farrell. I want to see Butler. So there's a lot of guys out there that I want to see. I, I don't like, to your point, I don't think you're going to see any of the familiar faces that Raider Nations is accustomed to. You get a lot of guys that are going to be out of jobs in a couple of weeks playing out there for your football team. But there are a couple of guys that you want to see. Lester Cotton would be number one. Malcolm Cruz would be number two. And I want to see some of how these receivers play out. And, and I'll throw another one in there for you. And the cornerback position has been a hot topic this week. Guys like Rocky Sin and Anthony Aver kind of asserting themselves. I want to see how that back... I want to see a guy like Amik Robinson. I want to see if he, he comes in a little more confident. I want to see how he plays. So those are the couple of guys I want to see establish themselves because... Let's be honest. A guy like Amik Robinson is probably in a roster bubble. Lester Cotton's probably got three weeks to establish himself as a starter. Malcolm Kuntz, you know, is still a project type player. So these are, the, these are the things when I sit down and watch a preseason game, I'm looking for and I'm looking forward to. It's not, you know, the, 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 the drives. I, I know Jared Stidham is a quarterback. I know what he could bring. I know what Nick Mullen can bring. So I'm not worried about them driving this football team down. I want to see position battles. I want to see you guys going out there and working.
1: It's Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM Radio, station director of Fight Nation 156 channel, and, of course, the Arts Per Attempt podcast. There's Raiders podcast available everywhere, at Borsilli on Twitter. When you bring up the defensive line like that, I also want to see, like, all right, what do they have in some of those depth pieces that they acquired early on? I mean, you've brought up guys like, you know, Andrew Billings before and Kyle Pecco, but you know, with Bilal Nichols and Hankins being on the pup list, we're not still not sure on their timeline. Uh, those those guys are on roster bubbles, but at the same time, I also need to see the proof of concept. You got these big bodies up front to kind of like make that interior push on the D line. Uh, I want to see what they look like, especially some of the depth guys, because I'm still not sure if Nichols and Hank, uh, how ready they are going to be by the time. And the season rolls around.
2: I agree with that, but that's that's kind of why you say you, you want to see guys like the young guys like Farrell. You want to see Butler. You want to see these guys, Vernon Butler. You see this guy maybe he can get a couple reps in there. I mean, th- those are the players. And let's let's not forget, guys, Cleveland Farrell. According to our buddy Vic Taper, is battling for a roster spot. He mm. as, as a number four pick in this draft, as uh, take this with uh, as you will, but he's he's vying for a spot. So he's got to go out there in the preseason and show it. Maybe. The proof's in the pudding. Maybe Josh McDaniels and the company are going to move on, and maybe they're going to get rid of him. But if he goes out there in the preseason and dominates and shows that he could help his football team, maybe he saves his job. Maybe he saves his later career going out there against guys that he is clearly you know, a better player than. It just hasn't panned out. But maybe he's the guy that goes in there and, and proves that in this new scheme, he's a really good fit and he could be useless either. So those are the types of things. That you want to see, especially in the first preseason game. Did, did that, I mean, five years ago, did you think that Kalina Farrell would be battling for a roster spot as we're going in the first preseason game against the Jacksonville Jaguars? No, oh. nobody would want that, that <laughs> scenario, but it is what it is. But if he goes out there, guys, against the skeleton crew, Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, offensive line, and plays his butt off and has a really good game and shows that he could be valuable. Maybe the Raiders have something. Maybe they don't have to cut bait and, and, let, and let him go. Maybe he could be on the football team and be part of that rotation and help out the pass rush and help out inside. So I think it's, it's things like that, too, that I'm looking for in this preseason. Again.
0: Unfortunately for Klee, too, he's he's been hurt. He hasn't even been practicing. So we'll see if he's able to get out on the field. But it's yep. it's hampering his ability to try to make that case for himself that he's not even able to practice. And I'll say, you know, watching him walk off the field when he got hurt at practice uh, last week you just had that, like, impending, mm-hmm. oh, this poor guy. He's trying well, to fight and, and battle up, why his I, life. Bring
2: it, yeah. I And I agree with you. But why I bring it up is if I'm a guy like him and it's not something that's going to hold me back too much, and maybe it's something that's lingering and maybe it's bothering a little bit, I'm getting out there and saying, listen, I, I know I've been hurt. I haven't practiced. I, I want to play. I want to show myself. So, I, you know, we'll see tomorrow if he gets out there. If he doesn't, it's just another X on on his resume to say, like, this guy's just not going to be able to help us this year. But if he goes out there and says maybe it's something that he wakes up tomorrow and feels better, maybe he goes out there and shows you he has something. We'll see tomorrow.
1: It's Eddie Borsilli here with us. Hey, real quick, could you just uh, kind of give us a, a, a thought on how the Hall of Fame ceremonies are? You've been out there at the Canton, you've seen the enshrinement, but for a guy like Cliff Branch, how special is this week for Raider Nation and the friends and family for Cliff? It's long overdue, but it's something that I think is uh, is needed as like closure for a great man, and not only the career, but also a great person, and everybody's got such a great positive story from any time they ever met Cliff.
2: Yeah, it, it's sad to do. I mean, it, it, it's it's really happy in the sense that he deserves it, and you know, obviously he deserves it for a long time. It's sad in the sense that he's got to do this just the way Kenny Stable, you know, obviously passed before their time, they could sit up there and make their speech. So it's it's kind of sad in that sense, but it, it's uh, it's it makes me really happy that that he a player like him is getting his due. He was one of the the game changing type players of his era, obviously with, with Al Davis and those Raiders throwing the ball deep. Canton is, I, I always go back to this quote, guys, and this is just a football geek coming out me, and it's, it was from John, the late, great John Madden, when he says, when you go into the Hall of Fame and you close the door with the bus star, you know, you could hear, you just picture the bus talking to, you know, talking to, to each other and reminiscing about stories. And it, it's true, guys. You get, when you go into Canton and you go into the Hall of Fame, you see all the things and you see the bus, it, it's like your childhood coming back to light. It's like all the things you've watched your entire life. It's really, really a special place. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying it, it, it has to be a bucket list item for anybody listening to the show. Any football fan. There's so many Raider. There's so many Raider artifacts around the Hall of Fame. Obviously, with all the success they had back in the day. There's so many former Raiders that are in there. I'm just happy for Cliff Branch. I'm happy for his family. Like I said, guys, he was one of the original deep threats. He was a game changer each and each and every Sunday out there for the Raiders. I'm, I'm sad that he's not here to go up there and talk about it but i'm happy that he got his do. i'm happy for his family it's gonna be a special weekend in canton ohio for sure anytime a raider goes in for the hall of fame it's always a special occasion because raider nation shows up and shows out so yeah. i'm excited for everybody. everybody's gonna be out there i wish i could be out there with everybody but it's gonna be a great a great weekend for everybody in raider nation
0: it will be great and uh i, I have a question for you as we uh, wrap things up because uh my worlds will be colliding just like I think your worlds collide a little bit. Uh I you know, as as somebody who covers the team, usually I go to a road game either Friday night, Saturday morning. But week one in LA, I should be going Saturday morning, get in there, get ready to cover it. But here's my dilemma as somebody who covered MMA for ten years and still does a little bit. Yeah. Yep shemaev and diaz here in las vegas saturday night do i cover the fight and then drive to la get there at 4 a.m sleep for three hours and go to the stadium or do i just watch it on tv from la i do think it's going to be a just a mess of a fight for nate diaz but i still kind of want to be there
2: that's what if i were you if i now you could do whatever you want but if i were you those it has the opportunity to be one of those things and we all know on the surface what yeah, the, the Diaz is and what he what he can do but it could have that explosive feel it could have that thing where you want to be in attendance for if i were you i think you'd be kicking yourself if you didn't go and, and drive over you could always you know sleep a little bit in or, or a cup of <laughs> coffee but for, for me i'd want to be in attendance that 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 has the feel of being a special night whether it goes his way or not but if I were you, I would definitely see that fight live and then drive over. You can you can sleep later, or as oh. in the immortal words in, in the immortal words of, of Pat Kerwin, who I worked for for a long time, you could sleep when you're dead. So <laughs> make sure you get out there and see it. Because if I were if I were in your boat, I would go out there and see that live.
1: Oh, you just made it much harder for I Adam. Mean, he was hoping <laughs> you'd say pay per view. Hey, man, thanks for coming on, Eddie. Awesome stuff and great perspective. And we really appreciate your time. Thanks again for it.
2: Sounds good, guys.
0: Have a great day. Thank you. Nice,
1: at Borsilli on Twitter, Eddie Borsilli here with us on Wednesdays at that time. That's a dilemma. It's tough because you, you know less and less do you have those kinds of fights where guys are going to get in the center of the octagon and there's going to be blood. There's going to be you know all that tension comes well, out
0: and you get probably one of the best scraps of the year. No, it's not going to be one. Of, it's it's a it's a mess. I, I it's essentially the execution of Nate Diaz. I'm not sure why he took this fight. Shemayev is going to destroy him. But it's still it's Shmaev's moment. Like he he's already this big star. Now he's going to have the the you know the most famous opponent he's had. Yeah, I beat that former champion. Biggest spotlight that he's had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna. Oh man, it it is. I if it was going to be a more competitive fight, I think I would have to stay. I'm going to. I think I'm going to stay. Okay. I think I'm going to drive down, get get to L. A. Like 4 a. M. <laughs> and then try to get like three hours of sleep before I get over to SoFi. But man, that's tough.
1: That's a brutal day. That's a brutal that's turnaround. All right. Yeah, I mean, is this like like Habib versus Connor? No, no. Like where that kind no. of destruction could be like looming in the in the front, where they're just like you know these two heads are colliding, but you know who the better fighter
0: is. Oh yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think Shamiyev is like a twelve dollar favorite. Oh God, God, that's intense. Massive for Whoa. an MMA fight. Yeah, that's nothing like Habib. This is much better. That's it's, a prohibitive favorite. Distru- well, Shamiyev has not really been touched. He's had four fights, and nobody's even touched him yet. He's crazy. <laughs> he's so good. But this is, a, this is, you know, it's a huge fight, huge spotlight. You don't know how he's going to react. It's going to be big, and it's the night before the opener in L.A. You asked Max Crosby that, and Max had uh, a, <laughs> you know,
1: he was like, all, hey, all day, every day, Nate Jones. <laughs> he's, Nate he's, a, he's a Nate Diaz Nate guy. Nate Diaz, man.
0: I knew what he was going to say, too. But I did ask him who he's got in the fight, and he said, Nate, I'm sure he'll be watching it from the hotel the night before the uh, Chargers game.
1: Real quick, uh, when, he, when Eddie Borsilli brought up Coots. How do you feel that Koontz is now going to maybe take that step from year one to year two? Because there were so many games where he was inactive, but yeah, it helped yeah. enough last year. Uh, apparently Gus didn't feel like there was enough there, or maybe they wanted to see more out of Nassib. Whatever the case is, how much... Uh, well,
0: they were paying Nassib too much. They were. They had to try to get use out
1: of him. I them. mean, my God, there was a lot of money. Uh, what do you expect from Kuntz this year, and how much of a role will he have in the preseason? Do they feel like they've already seen what they want?
0: I don't know, he's going he's going to need to have a role if you know if this team wants to get where they want to get I think because well they just lost Kyler Fackrell, who was going to play yep. that same kind of role and now they're going to need Malcolm Koontz to do it. I think Koontz went from being a luxury to a necessity uh in that in that spot. So um you know they know they've got some you know really really high level pass rushers in the starting lineup but they need to find guys that can rotate in and be specialists, guys that can get to the quarterback. And Malcolm Kuntz is a guy that they drafted to do—not this administration, but the the team drafted to do this. And they're going to need him to take that step. It's that that's going to be a big part of whether this defense is successful or not.
1: It, it, it's integral, and I think that's uh, it bodes well, especially if you got Cleveland Furl hurting, and you got you know you're starting to run out of depth at that <laughs> that position group. And you know you you got some bodies there right now, but uh, after Furl goes down. You're starting to look around the league, and you're like, "All right, uh, can we get enough pounce out of Malcolm? I mean, can we get what what is expected from Clee uh during this time of the year?" And you know what? It's it's going to be a mixed bag. It's sad to see that Clee going to be like you know you know not not practicing in the in the in the recent future.
0: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a few days uh, that he's been out, so I would I would expect that he's not out there tomorrow. There, there's guys, of course, that you know you wouldn't expect to see Darren Waller and Chandler Jones anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah. they have been practicing. Uh, Klee has been practicing there's a few guys that you would think might play, but they have not been on the field, so you wouldn't you wouldn't expect them to try to go in a game if they haven't been practicing for a couple of days.
1: That's Adam. I'm Clay. We'll take a break. We'll come back. It's the morning tailgate here on a Freestyle Wednesday. Uh, more up next as about some position battles are starting to pop out there, and it makes you feel like, all right, where do the Raiders sit now? Not just this week, but even next week when they play home against the Vikings. All that and more, and we'll take your phone calls at 702-365-9200. It's the Realty One Group listener line, 702 365 9200 Bumgarner kept saying "Howling, I guess at Quig don't look at me don't look at me don't look at me don't look at me that's what it looks like he's saying and the next thing you know
2: Quig is saying something to the effect what are you going to do to me what what you do to me what you do to me so one saying what you do to me and the other saying don't look at me Okay, we are going to the eighth inning in the latest drama.
1: Uh, Rest in peace, Vince Scully from the Dodgers radio network. We got a lot of uh, text here on the Salmon text line, 69187. We'll try to read them as much as possible here. And we also got time for your phone calls at 702 365 9200. The Wii. I'm Clay Baker with Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, covering MMA, of course, with the Raiders and VegasNation.com. Also, and. Uh, what,
0: what percentage of the texts are just get this idiot out of here? we, and we haven't had that yet. Oh. They, they normally like. They, I guess they, we're not doing my job. Yeah,
1: I know. It's like they, they don't like changes in routine, number one. <laughs> but number two, is, like who is this guy? Why is he laughing? Why is there fun on this show? Get him out of here. <laughs> we don't like that. Uh 6I-187 uh from Salmon Ash. Uh who do you guys feel is going to be the number three receiver coming out of this group between Robinson Cole and, and others? All right. uh <laughs> keep, keep, name, keep naming names. Tyron Johnson.
0: Uh, uh and you got first
1: of all Mac Collins. That's my
0: guy. Yeah. So, and I look, it's not that hard to identify. So I've I had I've had two players, and I got to find new players because my guys are are taken over. So for I don't know how long last year in training camp and during the season, and I would I would you know do the podcasts that we do and and do co co the company <laughs> over on ESPN Las Vegas yes. and just scream about how Lester Cotton dominates every single drill. Why is Lester Cotton not playing more now? As we've learned and and talked to Lester and and try to figure some things out. Um, he had a lot going on in his life off the field. Maybe wasn't completely dedicated uh, to you know the diet and the workouts okay. and all of those things. And so even though he was apparently out of shape and not fully bought in, he was still dominant in drills. His footwork is incredible. His power, his explosion, everything that he does is just so good. He just didn't put it together on the field. He didn't have that consistency day to day. And so now he does, and we're starting to see it come come around. So Lester Cotton was my guy, uh, and, and I'll also uh, shout out Case Kiefer, who who covers the team for the Sun. We would just stand there and watch offensive line drills all day, and just marvel at how good Lester Cotton was. But we didn't, you know, you don't have the insights of what's going on necessarily behind the scenes. So he he looks like he's figured it out now. Tyron Johnson is a guy that I would just sit there during OTAs minicamp and just just watch him and say, how is this guy not a superstar? He's he's bounced around a little bit. We had a couple games with the Raiders last year, obviously was a little bit of a breakout guy with the Chargers that they expected a little bit more of. Mm-hmm. But you would just watch him and say, this guy is unbelievable. He's unreal. Now, it's been obvious in training camp, so now everybody is on board. Not that I you know, am some great – I've had those, those two guys and A.J. Cole. Those are my – Diamonds in the rough. When my first uh, yes. my first year covering the team at training camp. Uh, the the first practice, I remember uh, Cofield over on ESPN Las Vegas called me and said, all right, what were your observations from practice today? And I said, this unsigned kid, A.J. Cole, is going to win the punting job. And he said, who cares? We, we want to know about offensive line, <laughs> defensive line. I said, no, no, no. I'm obsessed with this punting uh, battle between Cole and Townsend. A.J. Cole is going to win the job. That was my first, the, my first scouting job. Now, I've been wrong about a ton of guys. Uh, that I thought were going to be great and just weren't, but uh, it was AJ Cole, Lester Cotton, and now I believe Tyron Johnson. But now everybody's on board, so now every time I say Tyron Johnson's my guy, everybody's like, "Yeah, mine too." Well, yeah, at training camp he's been unbelievable. He's been great. He's been standing out every single now. Devonte Adams, of course, you watch him and you just get it. Yeah, like he's so smooth, so crisp, precise, that special, hardest worker. He's he's a different. He's a, just a different breed. He's insane. Smith, Hunter Renfro. But Tyron Johnson is the guy, to me, that stands out. And when I asked Josh McDaniels about him a couple weeks ago, he kind of said something... It's not the same issues that Lester Cotton had, but it was really interesting to me what he said is that, yeah, the talent is obvious. So that it kind of made me feel dumb that I was like, yeah, I thought I had something special that I saw the talent. Yeah, uh, the word obvious just kind of like, like
1: just crushes you right he's like, there. like, yeah,
0: the talent is obvious. Who doesn't <laughs> see his talent? But he said it's that learning the consistency what it takes every single day mm. above and beyond just being fast and have good hands and run good routes it's the consistency to to just come in and do it every day to work hard every day to work hard in the in the classroom uh the film room and everywhere else and learn how to be a pro is what he's finally now figuring out.
1: Oh okay good. And
0: so it sounds like he is he is ready to take that next step. Now that also means somebody in that wide receiver room is not going to make the team that we expect to be on the team, right? There's a lot of guys there. You just mentioned Keelan Cole has been a very good NFL wide receiver. Demarcus Robinson was brought in Mm -hmm. very good receiver. Matt Collins is a unbelievable special teams performer. So he's almost certainly on the team as a wide receiver as well. And he's a good wide receiver too. So there's, there's a lot of guys in there and a lot of big names and, You know, I think somebody is unexpectedly not going to make this team at wide receiver, but Tyron Johnson is a guy that I look for and say, that guy is awesome. And I'll say this, if I was playing preseason daily fantasy – He'd be on my roster tomorrow. Yeah, because he would be very, you know, very affordable, very, very small amounts,
1: but you could get a major uh, explosion of stats. And that's the thing, like, you know, he's been with seven teams since 2019 entering the league. So it's making me wonder, like, as you said, like putting it all together and maybe, you know, adding to that, learning how to be an NFL professional and learning the consistency is following the same track as what Lester Cotton has been trying to establish as well. But man, that's seven different teams is a long time. Obviously, he's put it he's put it together now. How do you think that, you know, it'll start looking with pads and how much time will he get in a preseason game?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think he'll get some obviously I don't think Adams and Renfro play. Yeah. So then you've got the rest of those guys that are trying to sort it out and and you know Stonerstein pop, So th- there's still you know, there's not that many guys you can that you have. Again, we talked about this earlier. We always just assume we're well, going to see nobody. Yeah, somebody has to play. play. <laughs> so, and, and multiple guys. You're not going to play guys the whole game. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that are playing that that you in your mind you're thinking, oh, we're not going to see anybody. You will see some guys, and I think he'll be a guy that you'll see. Uh, I you know, I, I expect maybe to see a little bit of Mac Hollins as well. I think Keelan Colby out there. Those guys are battling. Like I said, there is there is going to be somebody left out of that equation. So uh, I think you see all those guys get a little bit of chance outside of Adams and, and Renfro.
1: Cisco Ortega, the uh, president of the Black Hole here, Viva El Presidente, uh, chiming in on text line. He says, I'm thinking Demarcus Robinson makes the cuts uh, and becomes a number 3 I mean, how come people aren't glowing on Demarcus Robinson as much as we hear the the great stuff about Tyron Johnson and and Mac and Keelan Cole? Because uh, Demarcus, for a long time, played a, a integral role in what Kansas City was constantly trying to do. I mean, you see those the footage even when he didn't have the ball, he was constantly in motion, uh, constantly working those misdirection plays that Kansas City's really great at. But what would his role be here? And you know, uh, he really kind of like took a kind of like a backseat to Byron Pringle and stuff like that last year in Kansas City. It makes me wonder, like, what is he doing that, that is special that may separate himself from anyone else?
0: Well, I, I mean, I think one of the things that you'll see here that you did get to see him in, at times there. Is if he is on the field, you would expect to have single coverage because you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna roll your coverage to him. You're gonna roll it to Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and all the other oh, targets yeah. that they have. So I think Demarcus Robinson more than capable of beating single coverage if he's out on the on the field. I, I would expect him to to find success in that role if it's him, um, just like I would if it's Tyron Johnson, T. Billy, as everybody refers to him, uh, or uh, or Matt Collins Collins uh, or Keelan Cole. I mean, I think all those guys are gonna have that that benefit if they are on the field of not having that much defensive attention on them and and, okay. and they should be able to thrive and I, I would expect them to try to find ways to get them the ball um
1: back to aj cole real quick have you ever covered a guy, My guy. that is as funny as he is good on the field cuz this guy like he can make you laugh in so many different yeah. ways and i don't and it's not something that it's hard for him it just seems like it's just naturally part of Incredibly his natural. existence
0: yeah it's look it's almost Uh, AJ Cole is a fantastic punter, uh, one of the best in the NFL and one of the best interviews that you're going to find in the NFL, which is a great combination. I'm not saying this for any other reason except for, you know, kind of being selfish a little bit in my role as, you know, somebody who covers the team and has to write stories all the time. I wish AJ Cole played a different position because like you don't want to quote the punter every day.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just like that. Now we can finally go back and start doing one-on-ones in the locker room Uh, after games. But there should be a line around A.J. Cole. The no, I, I did. Yeah. So,
0: it, you know, my first year covering the team was in, was in Alameda at okay. the facility there. Uh, and, you know, first training camp was in Napa. So I got to cover that training camp. And then I was covering – I was living here but covering the team up there. So I was flying like three times a week back and forth. Oh and then my God. I think I stayed at the Courtyard Marriott at the airport in Oakland like 78 nights that year, <laughs> which was fantastic. I knew all the employees. Shout out yes. uh, to all the employees at the uh, at the desk there yeah. in Oakland. But all too often – you know, when the locker rooms are open, and by the way, you're going to see a lot different coverage of this team coming up in about three weeks when locker rooms are open again because it hasn't happened since they've been in Las Vegas. Um, all too often, I would be around A.J. Cole. Now, the other one, uh, just to, to give that backstory, <laughs> is I would very, very often be talking to Richie Incognito for the entire time because here's how the locker room works. They essentially have 45 minutes where they have to talk to the media, they have to be in there now. Some of them hide and they say, "Oh, I'm, I'm in the training room getting you know worked out, getting massages, whatever they're whatever they're saying to try to get out of it." Sure. But they're kind of required to be there for 45 minutes. So I would I would find a I would have about you know 15 20 minutes of having to do stuff for my stories, and then I would talk to AJ before anybody knew that he was hilarious. <laughs> uh, and I would it would just be me and him kind of talking. It was it was fantastic, but also. Richie Incognito would call me over often because I came – that was my first year covering the NFL. I had come from covering the UFC – and he knew that, Oh. and right. he would just talk to me about UFC for a half hour, so that he didn't have to talk to anybody else, so which great. was awesome. But it was it was cool to just kind of build that relationship, and then I would be able to say like, oh hey, can I get like two questions about what's going on with the team? And it would be he would be cool about it, but he would kind of use me to avoid talking to everybody else, the
1: other writers. Sure, that's great,
0: and just talk about UFC for a half hour, and then he doesn't have to talk to anybody else, which was which was fun. But yeah, I would talk to AJ almost every day. But you, there's only so many times your editor is going to call you and say, hey, you've written four stories. About the putter this week, what are you doing? Yeah, you got to matriculate a little yeah. bit. You, so you know? got to spread that out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's hilarious and and uh, very. I'm sure very excited. The uh, Raiders fans are very excited that he signed. He's here long term, as is Daniel Carlson. You know, the best. I would say the best special teams unit. In the NFL.
1: Yeah, without question. I think you could say, like, uh, when you have that kind of stability, it's not just this year, but for years on after that, you're going to have, like, the best of the best. And yeah. uh, this is uh, AJ Cole talking uh, earlier last week about Derek Carr's hair.
2: Yeah, you know, every time I see him, it seems to get shorter, which is not how hair works. So uh, I think he's been getting haircuts behind my back. Um, don't love that. Uh, you know, I ask him every day if he feels good about it, if he looks himself in the mirror and feels good about his hair, and it seems like he does right now. So, you know, I'm happy for him. Obviously, I'm a fan of length, but we brought in guys like Brandon Bolden, Matt Collins, who were kind of holding it down on that that side of the ball. So it's good.
1: <laughs> and you couldn't resist it when Derek Carr spoke on Saturday.
0: Well, I, I asked that question, too. Right. You had to get the rejoinder. So, I, yeah. so I'd certainly asked A.J. Cole about the Derek Carr hair, and he gave that answer. And then, yeah, of course I had to ask Derek and, and bring to him what A.J. had said nah nah like aj aj asked me every day he's like you know hair is supposed to go the other way yours keeps getting shorter and i was like aj i think that that ship has sailed
1: <laughs> i kind of missed the hair though a little bit i thought that was kind of good look nice yeah if you can grow the it hair try to
0: grow it it wasn't a great look it was fine it just it wasn't him it didn't suit him but aj <laughs> was happy so. with it that's all that really matters I know, and you know what you want to please, AJ. Yeah, that's, that's, keep <laughs> keep the punter happy. That's the, the oldest cliche in sports. I mean,
1: he's going to those museums by himself. I'm starting to worry. He kind of <laughs> needs like a buddy on the road, you know? All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. It's Adam and Clay here on Raider Nation Radio. Pete Benzak, the Raiders legend, the legendary running back, will join us at 9 o'clock to talk about Cliff Branch and more here on Raider Nation Radio.
0: Now back to the morning tailgate with Clay Baker on RNR 9:20 a.m. Be part of the show. Text us on the Salmon Ash text line. Text the keyword RNR followed by your message to six nine one eight seven.
1: Now we have an update on Raiders and other places. We started off today with uh, Lynn Bowden, the choker, uh, with Wes Welker pounding the table for him and more playing time to be an integral role in this offense in Miami. Good luck with that. And, uh, and as well as Damon Arnett and Dallin Lovett. People very fired up. And Rick and and
0: Matt Schneidman. <laughs> All former Raiders. I
1: know. Max. You know the glory days. <laughs> what? Well, we'll have to have a special wine and cheese party for Max when sure. he gets a chance sure. after the season over. But there's an update of Raiders and new places.
0: Where are we going? Going to New England. Uh-oh. Let's go. Two years ago, during the COVID year, empty Allegiant Stadium, often the site of Nelson Aguilar running deep routes, catching deep passes for touchdowns. Saw so that a lot at Legion Stadium two years ago. Last year, he went to New England. Didn't see a whole lot of it. Uh, 37 catches, 473 yards, three touchdowns for Nelson Aguilar last year after moving on from the Raiders uh, in New England. But more is expected. According to Bill Belichick, whoa, whoa, whoa. coach of the Patriots, really? Nelson has taken, quote, a big jump. Big jump. He was here all offseason, had a really good offseason. He's productive. Had a really good spring of training. Came out here, made plays down the field, which is very important, but he's also playing well in other areas. Very few mental area, men, mental errors. I think he's looked good. He never said
1: anything close to that last year. No? After he signed that, uh, kind of like that one-year deal. It was like a two-year for nine. Uh, and you would think that for a rookie quarterback, Nelson Aguilar would have been like that safety valve kind of guy that can you know help young guys achieve greatness you know somebody can get downfield and and keep plays alive I think that's what we saw uh, uh, that Derek Carr really had a lot of great trust in Nelson because he never gave up on plays
0: yeah and so a big jump big jump big jump twice in a row from Bill Belichick saying Nelson Aguilar is taking a big jump and should be an important part of that offense
1: Uh, how were you uh were you surprised at all of uh, the Matt Patricia calling all the plays uh during no, the during no. this week's offensive uh, drills?
0: Uh I'm interested to see what it looks like. I know uh we were talking earlier about the the joint practices really being where a lot of the work's going to get done. They don't need to have guys taking part in preseason games cuz they do have the joint joint practice coming up with the Patriots, so we'll see how they're distributing uh, some of those duties. Uh, I kind of believe in the quote-unquote conspiracy theories about Uh, the offense in New England and and Mm -hmm. not naming Matt Patricia offensive coordinator, even if he is calling the offensive plays for a couple of reasons. Uh, One uh, is a financial reason. Uh, If he is a coordinator, there's some part of the deal that works out with Detroit, not having to pay as much money to him, uh, from that contract that is is broken there where Detroit still has to pay him all the money. So New England's like, yeah, just go ahead and keep paying them. We're not going to make them coordinator. <laughs> right. If if we'd have to pay them more and you guys would have to pay them less, you guys can keep paying them. And the other part of that, uh, which I think is, is <laughs> Great. something that wouldn't matter anywhere else, but in New England it does, if you are a coordinator, you are required to speak to the media once a week. Heesh. Really? And if you're not, there's no requirement. Now, uh, again, we talked uh, to some of the reporters from New England and and we're told that they're making the assistance available anyway okay. during during training camp. But during the season, there is a requirement that every coordinator has to speak. So if you don't name him coordinator, he doesn't have to speak. Boy, he's a free roll, man. He has nothing to lose on this. And, and listen, maybe that's not the case at all. Maybe they're just really trying to be secretive and maybe they just haven't decided and all those things. But it's the Patriots, so our first thought is always, "What is the angle? What's the angle here?"
1: There's always an angle,
0: and so those those two make the most sense to me. It, when
1: this comes down uh, at the near the end of August, before the Patriots play preseason week number four against the Raiders, there's a scrimmage against the Patriots. Do you think this game will be played outside in the August 27th heat? Or the twenty third, or whatever
0: that is. Uh, yeah, they haven't announced. I kind of feel. It. I kind of feel like they might go inside of Allegiant and just and do their two days of of practices in there. Maybe at least one of them. But uh, I would be surprised if they didn't. I think you get a lot more work done inside.
1: Yeah, I think you could too. But would you want to like let Bill kind of like you know? Here's like, the other complicated. Put a here's put the him on complicating- the string there, like let them squirm a
0: little bit. Sure, but here's the other complicating factor. And maybe this is what's going to decide. And actually, now that I think about it, I'm going to say, no, they don't go outside or they don't go inside They stay outside because they got to play each other. Well, no, it's more because the 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 scrimmages that they do, the the joint practices are going to be a lot of the starters. A lot of the guys that are going to play, like they're actually going to go ones versus ones. Probably Uh, they'll probably go some live. That'll be their their hardest work. And then none of the starters will play in the actual game. So it's not really that. It's more to me. It's more that they will be able to. So on the on the, we talked about this a lot in training camp. But there's three fields out at the practice facility, mm-hmm. and so you can do some things on the far field where the media is not there, where the fans aren't there, where nobody really sees what's going on, and you could actually put in work without being seen. Where if it's inside an Allegiant, it's all out in the open. Everybody knows what's going on, and there's only one field, so there's you can't really get a whole lot done. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think you'd you'd probably prefer to have the three fields so that you can have you know two to, you know ones versus ones on one field, twos versus twos on another field. Other, you know, special teams maybe on the third field. Yeah, because you can't have a wasted day and spread it out a little bit more like that. So maybe they do uh, one day inside, one day outside. But I would expect outside more. You can get more work done.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you because anytime you bring up that team, you have to bring up conspiracy theories. Of course, and every angle has to be covered. I love it. That's Adam Hill. On oh, and, and by the
0: way, that's that's the Raiders too. We're going to be always suspicious wow. of what's going on around here. But I mean, but for good end? reason. Look, the Patriots, Patriots are successful for a reason, and Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziggler learned from that. And they're going to take a lot of those good things here.
1: If you continue to keep people guessing, they will always overthink it. Sure. And it becomes a mystery. And next thing you know, you've now got your other opponents thinking about way too many things. And it's the job's much easier for the Raiders now with Josh McDaniels at the helm. You're absolutely right. That's it, You've got to model teams who are successful. And how do they get there?
0: Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.